Future trading involves risk and is not suitable for all investors. Content provided in this segment is meant for educational purposes and is not a solicitation to buy or sell commodities. Hello, welcome to Parlor to Plate, a weekly podcast from Everag Insights dedicated to offering listeners enlightening discussion and actionable intelligence about dairy markets. I'm your host this week, Erica Medke. We're excited to have you along, and if you like what you hear, please like us, subscribe, and tell a friend or two. First things first, let's timestamp today's episode. It is Wednesday, May 3rd. It's about 12.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. A quick rundown of the markets. CME Black Cheddar today at 169. We are up about a nickel from last week. Barrels at 159, up 10 cents. Butter, 244, we're up 4 cents. Nonfat dry milk at a 119, up 3 cents from last week. Corn at 642 a bushel, unchanged. Soybeans, 1437, up only a penny after lots of ups and downs on the week. Soybean meal, 427, up a buck. Today, we are lucky to have another all-star cast from our Everag team. Jim Matthews, our global grain and feed director. Matt Trannell, our broker agent, and Katie Burgess, also broker agent. Welcome, team. Glad to have you. Thanks, Erica. Thanks, Erica. As usual, we start with what's the buzz? What's going on in everybody's world? So, Katie, do you want to kick it off? What's going on in your world? Yes, Erica. When I talk to my commercial customers, the tone I continue to hear is that demand is soft. So part of this is just normal seasonal forces. Dairy sales were pretty strong leading up to Easter. And right now, there just aren't any big demand hooks until summer gets here where you have that cheeseburger at a backyard barbecue or take a trip to an ice cream shop. That being said, I think there's a little more to it than that. We also see food inflation taking a toll at both the grocery store and in food service. And when you listen to the reports, they're somewhat mixed, but it seems like there are more negative ones than positive ones these days. Finally, exports remain a challenge. Given that spot prices did hit those low values last week, maybe we're going to see some more export business. But as of late, we've been facing some steep competition out of Europe. Thanks, Katie. Speaking of low prices, Matt, what's the buzz in your world? Yeah, so low prices on the dairy space are really the buzz in the dairy world. Everybody's kind of wondering when the heck we're going to find a bottom. We have the May board on class three specifically with a $16 handle in front of it. We have June trading down to the $16 handle yesterday for the first time. And we have these cheese prices that are kind of sitting in here, $1.50 to $1.60. Everybody's really wondering when the heck we're going to turn a corner. But we're reminded that we're in the, uh, the spring flush period time of the year. And ultimately, we need to remove some cows from the industry in order to probably see some of those higher prices. However, on the back half, we're seeing a heck of a carry market and we still see $18, $19 futures out there, despite what current prices are looking at right now. Thanks, Matt. Jim, the corn charts falling out of bed. What's going on? What's the buzz? Yeah, I suppose that is the buzz in the feed markets as of late. It's not just Katie and Matt who get to talk about low prices. I finally get to do so a little bit as well. We've had the corn market under some significant pressure here the last couple weeks, especially the last week. We had a Chinese purchase of U.S. corn get canceled a week ago, and that really served as a catalyst for another big sell-off lower. Um, It started with old crop futures. We finally pushed July corn down through six bucks, and our 
trading nicely under that level, even sub 590 uh, most of this week. And that also helped push those December corn futures down all the way to 525 and below. I know we're trading there as we record right now, but we did try and get down towards like 515 here overnight. So just a lot of general pressure on the corn market. We would like to see some more of it. In the protein space, that stubborn little byproduct soybean meal is managing to hold firm for new crop near 400 bucks a ton. So maybe we'll get some of that spillover into the protein space. But for now, as planting progress continues to run smoothly here in the Midwest, we're going to keep this new crop corn under a bit of pressure here over the coming weeks. Now let's kick it off to the center of the plate. Matt, Milk production is the big story of the day. What are you seeing out there in terms of uh, conversations with producers, sentiment, a general sense of supply for the United States? Yeah, so production definitely varies by geography. Ultimately, when we look at the upper Midwest, we look at the eastern part of the country, we're still hearing about a lot of milk flowing, still significantly drastic spot prices underneath the class three board trading hands. And and honestly, a lot of folks that are just struggling to make the logistics work, get it off their hands and, and into another processor. And so I think when you look at milk production up here, I don't think we're seeing producers with the sentiment or experiencing maybe as tight of margins as what we might be in other areas of the world. And ultimately, that has been keeping cows in the herd and on farm in the Midwest and the Northeast. When you talk about maybe a geography such as the Pacific Northwest, the West or the Southwest, we're seeing dairies that are essentially seeing more slaughter numbers, more aggressively pushing cows out of the barns and into some of these high cattle prices that were showing on the live cattle board and at their slaughterhouses. And so I think that we, while we're seeing liquidations in those particular areas of the world, I don't know that all of the cows are essentially going to slaughter. Those cows that aren't outpacing the feed bill certainly are the lower enders, but a lot of these higher end cows are ultimately staying in the system and and just going to a larger farm and not being taken out. You look at even some of the slaughter data that we've seen, despite high cattle prices, we're only running 4% over last year's pace year to date. And so ultimately, we're going to need some more time at some of these lower prices, I'm afraid, in order to really take a bunch of cows out of the market. So Katie, what does all this mean for the milk production model moving forward? Yeah, thanks, Matt. I agree with you. It is pretty tough out there at the farm level. And so as we look at what it means for the milk production model, right now with milk productions holding about half a percent for 2023 as a whole, we're expecting growth here as we've seen earlier this year, expecting that growth to hold through the second quarter, expecting a slight contraction in the third quarter, but then likely back to growth by year end in part due to some positive year-over-year comparisons. But when we look at the industry, I think that's what we would expect to see. We've got widespread brace excess programs out there. And so as you do see cows contract in one spot, a lot of them tend to go to other farms. But when you look at milk production compared to the past, what we're expecting to see in the months ahead is no major growth, but no major contraction either. So just kind of going along with the flow. However, I do think one of the biggest pieces that producers are watching and that's really going to impact where milk production lands for 2024 is what happens with feed prices. And so, Jim, when you look forward to the end of this year and new crop feed prices, 
What do you think we're going to see? Oh, thanks for asking, Katie. That's always a tough one to try and predict exactly where we'll be trading come, you know, October, November, December for our dairymen. But as we noted earlier here in the show, it does feel like we could remain under some notable pressure through the summer. I think a lot of that stems from the acreage report we saw at the end of March in which the government projects a significant corn acreage jump versus last year. That on top of a somewhat loosening old crop balance sheet here, partially in thanks due to the export cancellations we also noted earlier uh, during the buzz. So a couple more bearish factors that have really helped push pricing lower. I think looking towards that second half that you guys are referring to for the milk markets, I think weather is the biggest variable. I mean, last year you look back to where we were planting here in the Midwest, we had a very wet and cold spring. It was really one of the more significantly delayed planting seasons we've had in quite some time here in the Midwest. We had a somewhat of a normal early midsummer, if you will, once we did get that crop in the ground. But then towards August forward, you know, things got really dry, especially out in the plains thinking that Kansas, Nebraska crop, Western Iowa, the Dakotas had a really difficult time with soil moisture deficits throughout the end of last summer. And unfortunately, even though things appear to be a bit better so far entering the first week of May, those areas are still in somewhat of a deficit because of last year. So until we get a real sense of relief from precip in those areas, you know, our folks that are in the west and or southwest are still going to have a bit harder of a time finding super attractive feed pricing because most of their corn is going to come from those areas specifically. But if we can get some decent precip there, we can get some relief in those areas. One would hope we'll continue to see your cash feed price come down for those guys in the West and Southwest. Uh, of course, we can't predict what's going to occur between now and the fall weather-wise, but I think at this point, that's probably your key upside variable going forward. So Jim, you're telling me it's a weather market. You know what? I don't like saying that the first week of May, but <laughs> it's definitely an upside factor that we have to worry about. Usually in the grain space, we say we're in a weather market come June or July once that crop's in the ground. So it seems maybe a little bit premature to call it that. But for me, that's exactly what I'm looking for week to week as we push forward and see these crop planning reports. So let's let's wrap this up here, Jim. So in this Rain weather market. What are you doing to help your clients? Yeah, I think, Erica, we have finally hit a point where we have been pretty aggressive on telling our dairymen, please step in and do something with your corn usage for new crop, whether it is physical purchasing, depending on where you are in the United States, and or layering in some hedges uh, via the exchange. We have been asking folks to sit tight for quite some time hoping for this pressure. Frankly, it came a bit faster than we had anticipated in terms of this opportunity. But while we have Dees corn at this 525 to 550 level, I think we'd be kicking ourselves if we didn't do something on some percentage of your usage. And if that weather factor did kick in and bring us back up towards six bucks later this summer, I think we would be sleeping a bit easier knowing we had at least layered something in on this break that the market has given us this early in the year. Katie, what are you doing to help your clients these days? From a commercial risk management perspective, it's a little bit of a tough spot right now. So we've got spot prices quite low, but when you look at prices for dairy futures further out, they're at a pretty big premium. So take spot cheese at about 160 today compared to futures at $2 and above for September and beyond. That being said, so as from a buy side, 
people are really watching for opportunities. So taking advantage of price dips when they come just to help manage some of this uncertainty that relates to milk production and feed costs later on this year. So taking advantage of that and also starting to layer in some coverage for 2024 when it's available. So continued vigilance. Keep watching, keep waiting. That is the name of the game. Matt, how about you? What's keeping you busy with your clients? Yeah, so if you... uh kind of look at it from two different lenses. In the nearbys, with markets down where they're at, we're looking at uh, managing the positions that we have. If you entered a position a while ago at a much higher price, there are some pretty extensive gains built up in those particular hedges. And looking at managing some of those gains to that effect, so that if or when the markets do end up turning, we have that already taken care of. If you look at it from the second half or beyond perspective, and if you take Jim's recommendations of lining up some of your feed needs, well, then we'd be looking at trying to manage some of the prices on the board in the third or fourth quarter. Because ultimately, $19 milk in the fourth quarter certainly looks a heck of a lot better at five and a quarter corn and sub $400 meal than what it did when we were $450 meal and five and a half dollar corn or 575 corn. So starting to look at some of those tranches in fourth quarter, Q1 specifically, trying to capture some of that carry that Katie was alluding to for dairies. Don't leave the margin on the table. Exactly. Awesome. Well, a big thank you to the team today, Jim, Katie, and Matt. Really appreciate you guys joining me. Great contributions to the buzz and center of the plate. Appreciate you being here and sharing all of your insights. Thanks as always to our media team, Paige Driscoll for mixing and mastering. And thank you to the listeners for joining us today. If you like what you hear, please subscribe on your favorite app. And if you'd like to learn more about how we help people manage risk, contact us at insights at ever.ag. 